And now, an Envision Financial podcast with Luke Smith on Canberra's 2CC. It's a Friday afternoon, which means it is time to talk money with Luke Smith from Envision Financial. Thanks for dropping by. Good afternoon. Hang on. Why have I... Oh, because I've got the wrong microphone switched on. There Good you afternoon go. again. That works much better. <laughs> there we go. Uh, you confused me again because you sat in the middle seat but you used the other microphone. And mm. I know that I suggested that to you the other day, but I forgot all about it. I was That's just it. doing what I was told, see? I know, I know. But anyway, there you go. Yep. Here we are. Uh, before we get started on today's topic, uh, which is actually quite a good and a very interesting topic about mm. borrowing for investments. But yep. before we get on to that, the Jobs and Skills Summit has just wrapped up. And one of the things that came out of that today was that the government has accepted the suggestion that perhaps aged pensioners and other other pensioners, including veterans pensioners, could be able to earn additional income without losing any of their pension. So they've accepted that. They've announced that there will be a $4,000 income credit added to the income banks of aged pensioners from December to be used in this financial year, which means that the amount that pensioners can earn without losing any pension will increase from $7,800 for the year up to $11,800 for the year Mm. uh, before they run the risk of any penalty on their pension. The catch here is it's just temporary. Why not make it permanent? Well... How long's a piece of string? Exactly, but it would you know it's a it's a it's a good step that they've taken this. Yeah, look, I, yeah, for sure. I think it's a it's it's a good initiative, and I think we need to try and make sure that people are incentivized to remain productive in society. And for those that are of age, pension age, that have a lot to contribute, a lot of experience, if you can limit the the punishment, if you like, of their ability to contribute. Um, with the wage shortage and, and occupational skill sets that we're facing, yeah. to have you know an experienced brain that you can that you can draw from as an employer, you know what what a wonderful way to make sure that people have a lot of value and can can continue to contribute. Um, and and why not make it permanent? Like it's you know they've they've raped and pillaged those thresholds um, yeah. for quite a while. You've had deeming issues. You've had earnings rates in bank accounts and all of the other conundrums that the the ageing population have had to try and sort of manage and if there's another way to try and get people back in the workforce or just keep them engaged. The other interesting thing to look at there would be how many people that receive the age pension are actually still working. I'd love to see that stat in relation to how many people it actually adds value to because there'd be a huge portion of people I imagine that would receive the age pension that don't work or don't want to work or don't have the capacity to work so how many people is it actually adding value to? Mm. Um, and is there a better way to get a spread to more people on a broader scale? Yeah. So it's a positive move, but maybe not as ambitious as some of us would have preferred. Yeah. Stick a toe in the water, not a leg. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Now, today's topic, borrowing to invest, mm. and is it all deductible? Now, I'm guessing uh, that might be a leading question. I, su- I suspect maybe the answer well, is not necessarily. The, the answer is it depends. <laughs> Um, and, it, and it depends on a number of things. And I think this one has come up a lot recently where people have decided that they want to pull money out of an existing home, buy a place that is going to be their primary residence and make the assumption that it's going to be deductible. And all I want to stress here is, one, run everything past your accountant first, okay? Your accountant is your primary source of tax legislation, tax law and tax strategy, Um, So don't do anything without running something past your trusted advisor first. But people need to keep in mind that borrowing 
whether it's deductible or not, is driven by the purpose of the borrowing. And I'll give you two examples. I'm going to borrow money to buy my primary home. I'm not generating accessible income from that asset. So generally speaking, your primary home is a non-deductible debt. I'm going to use money in my offset account and I'm going to pull that out and buy an investment property. I'm going to rent that investment property. That is going to generate taxable income. Therefore, because I'm generating taxable income, I can claim the interest incurred on the money that I've borrowed. In a similar vein, you could take $500,000 out of your house, buy a portfolio of shares, generate dividend income. That dividend income is taxable. Whether it's offset, the, the taxable income could be offset by the interest cost incurred, like in the case of a neutrally geared rental property or a neutrally geared investment portfolio. That, that aside, the purpose of the borrowing is to generate taxable income. So where your purpose is to achieve that outcome, generally speaking, the interest that you incur would be tax deductible. So we always need to think first, what am I doing with the money? And that will drive, is it or is it not deductible when it comes to a tax perspective? Okay. Does it get a little bit complicated though if, for example, you borrow against your principal place of residence in order to buy an investment property? You're using one as collateral for the other. Does that make it a bit more complicated? No, that's okay because if you've got a million dollar home that you own and you go to a mortgage broker and say, hey, get me uh, a $600,000 line of credit or a loan to purchase this property, you're going to need to meet certain lending criteria with your loan-to-value ratio in that example where a bank's going to want to see a 20% deposit. Now, that 20% deposit may come from your primary home. So say you buy a million-dollar place, you borrow $200,000 as a 20% deposit, and then you take out a new loan of $800,000 against your million-dollar purchase. That's fine on both sides because you're going to rent that house and that rent is taxable income, therefore the interest is tax deductible. If you pull that out to buy a house you're going to go and live in, you may have a quasi situation where you go, I'm going to rent that for two years, then I move into it. Your purpose has changed, therefore you need to keep in mind that your deductibility will most likely change as well. Another big thing that I want to stress is a redraw facility and an offset account are not the same. I know a lot of people come in and go, oh, same, same, but different. No, they're different. And I'll give you an example of why. If I borrow and I use an offset account and I've borrowed for investment purposes, I can take money in and out of that offset account and the original purpose of that loan has not changed. Okay, so I have a lot more flexibility over what I do with that money. With a redraw facility... You can borrow $500,000, you can save into that facility and be Effectively able... Effectively pay it, pay it down. Pay it down and be able to redraw out. Mm-hmm. Now, if When you I, redraw, you're effectively borrowing again, aren't you? So you're potentially changing the purpose. Right. Exactly right. So with an offset account, money in, money out, no change of purpose. With a redraw facility, people go, well, I've borrowed to buy an investment property, so therefore it's all tax deductible. Great. But then I've decided to pay my kids' school fees with money in that redraw facility. I've now changed the purpose of the drawing 
or the redraw and potentially change the deductibility of a portion of that loan. So I just want to point that out to people because I see this all the time and people just go, oh, yeah, they're the same, but they're not. Um, So if you're going to... If you're going to borrow, you need to make sure that you have the structures set up correctly off the bat and you know what you're going to do. Some other things you need to always keep in mind is how am I going to structure it and what am I going to pay in relation to interest? Am I going to borrow interest only? Am I going to borrow principal and interest? Now, that's a sort of side discussion really around cash flow. And in the current environment with wages going up and, and, and costs going up and petrol and food and everything else that's expensive, you may look to move to an interest-only loan instead of a principal and interest loan because the minimum payment will be a lot less. And we've discussed that in other shows. So it's, it's really about making sure that you have the right purpose, the right structure, and then you always remember what is the purpose of the loan and am I generating taxable income? Now, there are, some, there are some things that may fly rather close to the fence there. And again, that's why I say go to your trusted accountant yep. before making an assumption that something is or isn't. When you talk about generating taxable income, now, not all investments will actually do that. Generally, if you buy a house, yes, you're going to rent it out to somebody. That's the mm. income. If you buy some shares, you might have the misfortune to buy a company that's not paying dividends at the moment because it's run into some trouble and there's no income from it. So what's True. the situation so with again, that? Then you look at the purpose and say, well, is it for wealth generation and could a distribution be paid, yes or no? If the company doesn't for whatever reason, then it's my understanding that that's a situation of the individual asset that you hold. But again, the purpose was true and correct and therefore you should be able to continue to claim that deductibility. Again, another one to run past your accountant because you have the scenario as well of, I've bought an investment property, but I haven't rented it, but it's on the open market and could be rented. Now, again, I'm not an accountant, but my broad touching of this in the past is if it's advertised with, again, showing that intent, whether you haven't rented it or have for an entire year, you should still then be able to claim the interest over a full 12-month period, even though it may not have been holiday let for that entire time. So again, there are some scenarios where things could fly a little close to the to the fence, and that's where you need to run things past your accountant so that you're across all situations. But just remember that we need to get the structure right out of the gates. You need to ensure that you have good liquidity and good flexibility in relation to what you're doing. Also then consider the time frame of what you're doing. Generally, if you're going to buy a property, you're holding it for the longer term to generate rent to see growth. With a diversified portfolio, you are generating dividend income with the potential to generate dividend income. Keep this one in mind. If you're going to borrow to make a super contribution, that's generally not tax deductible. So don't get caught with that. That's a, that's a mistake for young players um, where you pull money out of your home throw the money into superannuation and then go to claim the interest on that money. Mm. The entity that's generating the income is different. So you're claiming the tax deduction, but the income's a taxable income to the super fund. So you're actually not able to claim the tax deduction because the entity that's borrowed the money is not generating the income. So even though you think you're buying an investment, you're actually not. 
Well, you're buying an investment, but you're funding <laughs> it with bad, with dirty capital. Let's say, mm. probably bad example, but you know, it's it's something to keep in mind because a lot of people are tempted to do that yeah. to bolster super because they go, oh, I'm borrowing to buy shares. Mm-hmm. Great, but you're borrowing it in your own name, yeah. putting it in a super fund, and then investing in a different structure yeah. that has a different tax profile. So again, run it past your accountant. Don't get caught, and don't ask your plumber for electrical advice. No. Okay, and that's why I say, strategically, we can come up with many, many ways to do many, many things. From an accounting perspective, go and talk to your trusted advisor, because that is their wheelhouse. Um, and and be sure you understand the pros and cons of anything you do before you do them, so that there isn't a uh, a situation where you find out later, or oh, whoops. As we so often say, dot your I's and cross your T's. Very much so. Luke Smith from Envision Financial is with me in the studio. Borrowing to invest is our topic today. Is it all deductible? Nikolai wants to know about making an investment property worthwhile from a cash flow point of view. Well, basically, make sure the amount you borrow is uh, the appropriate level so that you're cash flow positive. You know, it's, yeah, you, basically save your money. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Save, 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 save and fill up your offset account. Because uh, and this idea of negative gearing is, ain't all it's uh, cracked up to be. Look, it's yeah, it's very overrated because if you've had a negatively geared property in the last two years, you've bought the worst asset mm. in the country because it was almost impossible yeah. at previous interest rates to negatively gear something because money was that cheap. So Yeah, so negative gearing is not really as great as some people might lead you to believe. But mm. when we're borrowing to invest, obviously yep. we we do want to claim all the tax deductions that we yep. co- possibly can because that's you know yep. a very, very important thing to consider. So, yep. Luke, what are the key things to remember when yep. we're making these arrangements? So, again, make sure it's appropriate. Make sure it's in line with your why. I know we say that every week, but start with why and come backwards from there because it's not something that if you're buying certain assets, you're going to hold them for a, a, a extended period of time. So, you know, generally buying properties is not a six to 12 month ordeal unless you're planning to actually flip it. But again, think about your why. Am I going to flip it? Am I holding it longer term? Is it an interest only loan? Is it a principal and interest loan? What am I going to use in relation to a redraw or an offset account? I'm pro offset uh, for a range of reasons, as we said before the ad break. So think about that and have a good conversation with your mortgage broker because that's where they can add some real value to the the experience as a whole. Um, Consider the structure you're going to hold the asset in. So we talked about borrowing to invest. You will use the analogy of an investment property. Do you do it in your name? Do you do it in joint names? Too often I see people come in about to retire and go, oh, that property's 99% in my name and 1% in my wife's name or Mm. my husband's name. And now they've got 99% of the capital gains tax problems. So think about the dilution of the asset and managing the tax at the end of the journey, not just the deductibility because one person may be earning more than the other. So um, one thing we haven't touched on is whether to choose interest only or principal and interest for an investment loan. Yeah. And we don't have a lot of time left, but yeah. uh, the, the key thing there, of course, is if it's interest only, then yes, the payments might be tax deductible, but if it's principal and interest, the principal part's Correct. not tax deductible. Correct, that's exactly right. So that's more of a cash flow consideration yeah in a rising cost environment. And if you're going to hold something, again, don't be frightened by interest only because you put an offset account next to it, you fill up the offset account, you've paid off the loan, but you've given the bank less than they would have otherwise taken. So it's a great way in a rising cost environment to manage your outgoings and keep a property and keep it neutrally geared 
uh, especially while you've got gainful employment. So again, you need to think about what you're doing while you hold the asset. And then as I was just touching on there, think about the entity that owns it. Are we buying it jointly? Am I buying it in my name, my partner's name, a family trust, the super fund? You can still buy properties in a super fund through an SMSF. Very expensive way of doing it. And your borrowing generally starts at about 6%. And in a rising interest rate environment, you'd really, really want to love something to be paying those (laughs) sorts of interest rates. But again, you can do it. But make sure it's aligned with your working time frame, your ability to make super contributions, and that you know you're going to get an asset that generates good solid rent because 95% of people actually don't need to be negatively geared. They just need to buy something, keep it as positively geared as possible, and pay it off because ultimately when you go to retire, it will be one resource that you can draw on to fund yourself in conjunction with super and personal assets and and part-time work and any other source of of income that can meet your living costs so make sure you buy something in the right entity get some advice prior to doing it um don't buy a property and tell me that you're going to put it into your super fund on monday because there'll be some tears there and they they won't be mine um so make sure you you get some advice before you do something well that's right changing entities can get very expensive yeah so uh before you assume it's tax deductible ask your accountant so mm. luke where can listeners get more information yeah so look office number six two six zero four seven four nine you can ring i think we've got some spots left in october or november uh we've got envisionfinancial.com.au on the website and we've got the podcast the strategy stacker luke talks money on itunes and spotify um, and we've got the YouTube channel Envision Financial Canberra where you can subscribe to that and get all of the key takeouts, watch it on the phone, read nothing, and it's it's couch-proof. <laughs> couch-proof. That's where you like to be on the weekend, Beautiful. isn't it? On Love the it. couch. Either that or on the golf course, one or the other. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, once again, that's uh, 0262604749 for Envision Financial. Luke, thank you very much for coming in today. We'll see you next week. We'll see you again next Friday afternoon Beautiful. at around about the same time. Once again, Luke Smith from Envision Financial.